Well, good morning. If you have a Bible with you this morning, I want to invite you to turn to Luke chapter 12. That is where we will, will be this morning. Luke chapter 12, verses 22 and following. As you turn there, let me ask you a question. Has there ever been a circumstance in your life whereby it has made you worry or become anxious? You know, my mother, God love her soul, would worry about everything. Everything. I I loved her. She was wonderfully made by God, but she worried about everything under the sun. All she did. And you need to know this morning that fear is this chain reaction in the brain that starts with a stressful or worried stimulus and it ends with the release of chemicals that cause a racing heart, fast breathing, energized muscles among just a host of other things. You also need to know this morning that fear, that there is room for fear in the Christian life. I want you to know that. There is room for fear in the Christian life. Someone may say to you, I found a poisonous snake in the backyard. Should I pick it up? I'm afraid that I may get bit. You would be like, hey dude, healthy fear. That's good. That you feel that way because you probably shouldn't pick it up. Or you run into someone that's like, I I really want to climb this cliff. It's really high. Thinking about not doing it with any ropes or a harness. And they say, but I'm kind of afraid that I might fall. You would be like, that's good. That's a good fear. Because you may fall, right? Healthy fear. Or this one. That's very biblical. The Lord will judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of what? The living God. There is room for fear in the Christian life. You also need to know that it's inevitable. Right? In life, you and I will become afraid. Fear. Fear is unavoidable. But here's the kicker, and this is where we're going this morning, based on what Jesus says. Worry is avoidable. Fear is unavoidable. Worry is avoidable. Fear can be healthy. Worry can make you just downright sick. It is really when worrying buddies up with your imagination to exploit your fears. Worry pretends to be necessary, but it's not proactive, it's not helpful. Worrying is focused, is really just focusing your thoughts on all negative outcomes. The sky will fall today, right? It's that gray tinted glasses, glass is always half empty. I worry about Everything, right? It's, it's worrying, negative outcomes. Worry is really junk food for your fears. Worry doesn't do anything useful. It just broadcasts the fears so that you cannot move to a place 
that God would have you. Pastor had been on a long flight from one place to another. The first warning, the approaching problems came when the sign on the airplane flashed on, fasten your seatbelts. Then after a while, a calm voice came on and said, we uh, shall not be serving beverages at this time. We are expecting a little turbulence. Please be sure to fasten your seatbelt. Now, as he looked around the aircraft, it became obvious that many of the passengers were becoming very apprehensive. Later, the voice of someone came over the intercom again. We are so sorry that we're unable to serve the meal at this time. The turbulence is still ahead of us. And then the storm broke. The ominous cracks of thunder could be heard even above the roar of the engines. Lightning lit up the darkened skies. Within moments, that great plane was like a cork tossed around in a celestial ocean. One moment, the airplane was lifted on terrific currents of air. The next, it dropped as if they were going to just plummet out of the sky and crash. The pastor confessed that he shared the discomfort And worry of those around him, he said, as I looked around the plane, I could see that nearly all the passengers were upset and alarmed. Some were praying, the future seemed ominous, and many were wondering if they would even make it through this flight alive. Then I suddenly saw, he says, a little girl. (laughs) Apparently the storm meant nothing to her. She tucked her feet beneath Her as she sat on her seat, she was reading a book. Everything within her small world was calm and was orderly. Sometimes she closed her eyes, then she would read again, then she would straighten her legs, but worry and fear were not in her world. The plane was being buffeted by the terrible storm when it lurched this way and that as it rose and fell with frightening severity. When all the adults were scared half to death, that marvelous child was completely composed and unworried. The minister could hardly believe his eyes. It was not surprising, therefore, that when the plane finally reached its destination, All the passengers were hurrying off to disembark this roller coaster ride. The pastor lingered to speak to the girl to whom he had watched for this whole flight. Having commented about the storm and the behavior of the plane, he asked why she had not worried. The child replied, because my daddy's the pilot and he's taking me home. (laughs) Right? My daddy's the pilot, and he's taken me home. You know, physical, mental, financial, domestic, and many other storms can easily, quickly darken our skies, throw our plane into apparently uncontrollable movements. We have all known such times, right? And let's be honest and just confess, it is much easier to be at rest when our feet are on the ground than when we're being tossed in a darkened sky. But let us remember this this morning. Our Father is the pilot. And He's in control and He's taking us home. Jesus said to His disciples, Therefore I tell you, do 
not what? Worry. Therefore means, listen to just what I taught you. What did he, what did he just teach them? He taught, taught them the parable of the rich fool in verses 13 through 21. What's the point that he's driving home? It's this, when we worry about life and money and possessions, it will ultimately lead to us coveting those things which Jesus says ultimately have what? No value whatsoever. On the other hand, the inner essence of worship this morning is the treasuring of God as infinitely valuable above everything. So Jesus says, therefore, do not worry about your life, right? Easier said than done, right? Are you with me this morning? Right? Aren't you sick of pastors standing in a pulpit and just saying, do not worry, do not worry, do not, right? I mean, it's like, we get it. But yet tomorrow we're going to what? We're going to worry. We're going to wake up and worry. Mom, right? This, <laughs> scream at my mom. Mom, don't worry. And she would what? She'd just go on worrying. So let me give you just some practical, applicational things that you and I can do that come right out of this text. All right, you ready? Here's number one. We're going to go quickly. Number one, stop and consider. Stop and consider. Notice Jesus says, verse 24, verse 27, what? Consider, consider, consider. He's basically saying this, stop, listen, ponder, think deeply about this. Consider the birds, consider the flowers. Stop and smell the roses. <laughs> we can't stop and smell flowers because we're too stinking busy. Right? Any NASCAR fans in here? That is absolutely amazing. Three people in this parish like NASCAR. Uh, which, in South Carolina, I, I, I wouldn't have been able to believe that. I mean, I've asked that question in three services. Three people have raised their hand. And it's actually, they've actually been in here. Whether you are a NASCAR, NASCAR fan or not, you need to know that there's a new track up on Orangeburg and Butternut, right next to Pinewood School. Have you, have you ever been up to the track? It's actually a roundabout that they put in. Um, but I'm telling you, that this you get in that thing, and, like, you better gun it. I mean, my... The little four-cylinder in my Highlander Toyota, I mean, it just doesn't go fast enough. I, I got in that thing the other day, and I just had somebody just laying on the horn, which basically was telling me what? Speed up. I'm like, I'm in, I'm in a roundabout. Where are we going? Where's the fire? And you know, I think NASCAR is a perfect metaphor for Sometimes how we live our lives today, we live fast and we view busy people with a sense of prestige, don't we? We want to multitask. We, we, we read books on how can we do everything well at the same time. Or we greet people, right? We greet people by saying, hey, are you staying what? Busy. 
Like, like busyness is the new norm. But you know what I've seen in ministry over the years is that when you sit down with people and you sit down and connect with them and you talk about their heart's pain, what I typically see is that it's always connected with the pace of life that they choose. That they choose. Right? Busyness is what? It's a choice. You don't have to be busy. Busyness is a choice. And Jesus is saying to you this morning, very loudly, stop. Consider. Just ponder these things. Look for a minute. Just take a look at what I'm doing around you. Who feeds the birds that you see? Who clothes the flowers and the grass? When you stop and you look and you ponder, you're, you're what? You're gripped with the wonder of God. I think Paul puts it best when he says this, and he, that is Christ Jesus, is before all things, and in him, what? All things hold together. In Christ, all things cohere, all things subsist. In the risen Christ, he sustains all things, he upholds all things. He is the divine glue. Every heartbeat, every flutter of an eyelid, an eyelash, every rustle of every blade of grass, every breath that you breathe this morning in this place is sustained by the Son of God. In him, the birds, the flowers, we move and live and what? Have our being. Stop. Slow down and consider. Secondly, very quickly, know God knows what you need. You need to know that God knows what you need. Essentially, it's this. He's got you. <laughs> Just know that he's got you. Ultimately, when it comes down to it, when we worry and are gripped with fear, what we're really saying to God is what? Ultimately, I don't trust you. I don't trust you. How much more does God value than the birds of the air? Verse 24. How much more will he clothe you as he does the flowers of the field? Verse 28. And then you see it, right? This is the big highlight circle in your Bible. O ye of what? Little faith. Jesus is essentially saying, trust me, I got you. You are in the palm of my hand. I got you. I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm with you. I'm right there with you. I'm, I'll sustain you. I'll clothe you. I'll feed you. I'll take care of your family. Know that God knows what you need. Thirdly, lastly, you're going to need help doing all of this. I don't want you to walk away from this sermon this morning and just say, you know, it, it all just sounds a bit trite. <laughs> it just sounds a bit trite. It, it just, you know, like, really? You know, don't worry. Stop, consider, slow down, trust God. You know how many times I've, you know, I've heard these things and still to this day I can't seem to, to get it right? This is what I know to be true. This morning as I stand in the pulpit, the gospel, the gospel of Christ, 
the power of the Holy Spirit enables us to do things that we only wish we could do. As the Holy Spirit enables you to trust and banish worry and anxieties, you will begin to what? Maximize treasure in heaven and not on earth. Your heart moves toward what you cherish. Did you know that? Your heart moves toward what you cherish. You know who picks up on that the best? Your kids. Right? So when dad's like sleeping through the sermon, you know what they're picking up on? Is yeah, he, he doesn't cherish God's word very much. <laughs> He'd rather just sleep through this. He's not real excited about church today. Right? That's what kids do. They see with their eyes. They see what excites you. Clemson scores a touchdown, you go crazy. You get in here, you're bored to death. <laughs> right? They see what you cherish, what your heart goes after. Your heart goes what it cherishes. That's what God's teaching us. Your heart moves toward what you cherish, and God wants you and will help you move toward Him. And this is what I know about every heart in this room, that you want to move toward God. Do you want to know why I know that? It's because you can't lay. I know that when you lay your head on the pillow at night and you look into a darkened room, you know that there's more out there than what you can see and what you can touch. You know it. You know that God exists. And your heart wants what God has. You cannot serve God and money. To serve money is to cherish money and pursue all the the benefits money can give. The heart goes after money. But to serve God means to what? Cherish God and to pursue all the benefits that God can give. The heart goes after God. And, And that, brothers and sisters, is worship. The heart's cherishing God and seeking Him as the treasure above all treasures. My hope for you this week, that when you gather around the table on Thursday, my hope is that you give God all the glory for what He's given us, right? Has He given us abundance as Americans? All the things that we have in our closets and children and all the gifts that we can see and touch and smell and But you want to know what the greatest gift is of all? It's Jesus Christ. Give God the glory as the giver of the good gifts this Thanksgiving. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word this morning. I do pray, Lord, that as we gather with family, that we would give you all the glory for what you've done that we would give you the glory for the gifts that you've given us, but I pray most of all that we would treasure the giver of all these gifts. Thank you for Jesus, and thank you for the cross. And it's in the name of Christ I pray all God's people said. Amen. Amen. Please stand.